Hello and welcome to Make Language Great Again. Today it is my great joy and pleasure to welcome Nikki Florio, who is an amazing human being and an uh, environmental activist in the good sense of it. And she's an expert in geoengineering, which makes me very excited about this conversation because it's so important to educate people about geoengineering. So welcome, Nikki. Thank you very much. It is such a joy to have you. So uh, uh, why don't you talk about yourself a little bit and also about Be Heroic, which you founded? Um, so um, I grew up in Central California and in, um, in the San Joaquin Valley, which is which is back then it was mostly farmland and then moved up to a, a, the, the northern Sierra Nevada mountains in um, 1989 and lived in the forest and, and ended up going to school up here and got degrees in natural sciences and, um, and uh, psychology, a focus in, in environmental psychology. And, uh, and then I went back to school for education so I could teach. And so I, I lived and worked outside um, for years, I started a nonprofit called Tree Tahoe Regional Environmental Education um, in 2000 and ran that for a decade. And towards the end of that project, I started noticing um, anomalies with the weather. We would have storms without storm fronts. We'd have thunder snow. We'd have odd rain events and the forest would be just completely silent. And I would Google these events because they were they were very odd, and and it kept coming up as geoengineering, and that's how I first learned about it. When I was in school, uh, when I got my degree, I learned about weather modification, but I did not learn about geoengineering. I'd never even heard the term. So when we were taking our meteorology classes, they did talk about, um, you know making snow and making rain and fog mitigation, but they didn't talk about these large scale projects. So over the next several years, I, I took time and did research and, and met some amazing uh, other researchers, uh, Dane Wigington and Jim Lee and Rosalind Peterson and, 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 and others, uh, other scientists and activists, uh, Dr. J. Marvin Herndon and Dr. Mark Whiteside that, that, have a website called Our Geoengineering Age um, today. And, and um, throughout those next several years, I, I ended up going to Colorado, which is the global hub of geoengineering. And that's where NASA is and, and NOAA and then the, the, um, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce um, and weather has a lot to do with business. So, so um, when I was out there, that's where I started Be Heroic. And, and the reason we're called Be Heroic, um, we're, we're a pollinator and climate project, but we're an integrated environment and sustainability project uh, underlying that. Um, and I chose, uh, I chose honeybees as the way to introduce geoengineering so it didn't frighten people off and make them think it was a, a theory instead of a fact. So, um, so we're now in our, uh, in our ninth year. And so I'm back in the Northern Sierras where I kind of got, I kind of got stalled here because of the pandemic. <laughs> and uh, so that's where we are today. Uh, this is, this is fascinating. And you're so brave. I told you earlier because the topic of geoengineering is one of the most harsh, har harsh censored topics probably out of all. And that was my foray into realizing that 
the world is really being messed up, uh, messed with on a large scale. I remember a few years ago when I realized that geoengineering was not a probable conspiracy theory. Like that, that, that was really shocking to me. And uh, I, I really, I am so excited to talk to you. And so let's, you have a presentation, I believe that you can show to our audience and yes. walk them through everything. And yeah. I would just like to really emphasize the fact that so many people are kind of still on the fence because geoengineering sounds like maybe it can happen in the future, but it's it would be really hard to hide it. If they were doing it on such a large scale, then somebody would know or somebody would talk about it. And of course, you are that somebody. But then usually when somebody talks about it, they are faced with censorship. And this is how the delusion of no geoengineering is taking place. And also one of the things that I would like to point out is that you mentioned sustainability. And of course, now the term sustainability has been completely hijacked for entirely wrong reasons. So this word, that is a good word. It's supposed to mean good things. But now if I hear sustainability, I roll my eyes from here to the moon just because it has been hijacked so badly. The World Economic Forum uses this word for all things bad, but you use it for all things good. So you, you're trying to restore the meaning, the good meaning of the word sustainability. So I would just like to point that out and applaud you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. They, 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 um, I mean, you're probably familiar with the term greenwashing. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. The WEF is full blown greenwashing when they're they're. It's yeah. So their, their term of sustainability is the same way that the term smart cities, smart cities are no smarter than reality shows are real, you know? So it's, it's a hijacked <laughs> term, like you said. So. Well, anyway. smart cities uh, are a horror of their own. And interestingly, uh, New York, the program for smart city in New York was started March, 2020, just about the time when everybody was supposed to be horrified, hiding under the bed, really scared of the, of the virus and all those things. And just at that, that, that time, for, the formal program started. Like such an interesting coincidence. Yep. yep. They, they did a good job. Oh, they, they, they sure <laughs> did. <laughs> so do you want to show your presentation? So uh, this presentation, um, Upset the Reset, uh, is about the, the underlying technologies of the Great Reset and what allows it to happen. So I cover a little bit of the back history and also the connection uh, to the environment and human health in this. So um, I, when I present, I always like to highlight uh, some of our sponsors. Uh, we are, we're a nonprofit under a group called Lead for Pollinators. Um, and we work with uh, other groups. We work with um, Miles Research and another group called uh, Biochar Now. And they, they are part of our large scale solutions um, companies. There's a, a lot of things happening that people don't know about. And if you don't know about it, you can't fix it. And so we, we try to provide some of the smaller scale uh, solutions and then also the, the large scale. And then the Raven Foundation is also one of our funders. And we tour the Western states. We've toured the Western states for 
uh, for years. And we have a, a great uh, company out of a little town called Truckee in the Northern Sierra's Warden Sons. And they, they take care of our B truck. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the overview of this presentation is going to be what's occurring on the planet right now. And then the underlying tech uh, of the reset, the profiteers, how media is part of the problem. As m- most people know, we're almost never told what's occurring, uh, what the truth is. We always get partial truths and then uh, a small action plan for everyone. Now, this presentation runs usually about an hour or so, sometimes an hour and a half. So so if, if you want to ask questions in between, you're more than welcome to. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, th- so Earth is is an extraordinary place um as as anyone who lives on it knows uh it's filled with ecosystems that took billions of years to create um the 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 fact that people think we can go to mars um in, in the next 20 or 30 years and have anything close to what we have today uh, they are they're dead wrong. You know, it's it's tens of millions of miles away. It's it's minus 80 degrees on the warm side. And um, you are definitely going to have to be transhuman if you ever want to live on the planet, because the the uh, the frequency of Earth itself is 7.83 hertz, um, the Schumann resonance. And that's what we live at. We're physically connected to it. So so even Elon Musk has stated that we're not going to be able to go to Mars unless we become transhuman. Um, what a wonderful so, prospect. <laughs> I know. So, so this, all our wonderful ecosystems, our forests and, and mountains and deserts and oceans, they are worth saving. Um, and so there, there's no reason to leave this planet. Now, we live here because of the elements on Earth, you know, Earth and air and water and, and uh, the sunlight, fire, uh, all of these things we think of as as nature, but th- the problem is is that is that nature is now almost completely controlled. It's controlled by corporations and industries and the, and the individuals that lead it. But uh, those elements are the reason that, that we have life on Earth, starting with our smallest, um, you know, bacteria and and. And, and other microorganisms and our uh, fungi that led to the rest of life on earth from our, from our insects and birds to uh, fish and mammals and amphibians and uh, reptiles and all the other animals that we have on earth. We have an extraordinary array of animals, but humans have been slowly uh, disassociating themselves from earth um, because of education and religion and, and social media and things like that, we we fail to recognize the the beauty and value um, and need for these other life forms. Now we are all here not just because of the elements, but because of the plants on Earth and everything from our trees and grasses to aquatic plants and then our flowering plants. They are here because of pollination. Now, before there were flowering plants, we had uh, trees and grasses and, and plants in the water that were pollinated through wind and water, through currents. But today, 
uh, most of the flowering plants that we have on earth are here because of pollinators. And we call the groups of pollinators that pollinate these plants, the great pollination. And that's the scope of winged and terrestrial insects and birds and bats and small mammals and other animals on earth that have that have created these ecosystems over um, millions and millions of years so that we could actually evolve into, uh, into who we are today. And, and a lot of people, when they think of pollinators, they'll think of their garden or um, honeybees. And honeybees are one of 20,000 uh, species of bees. And of those 20,000 species, only a handful are honeybees. The rest of them are are um, solitary or live in in um, different family groups. Whether it's a whether it's a bumblebee um, nest or or even um, the insects that 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 bees descended from the wasp families. And wasps were here before flowering plants, but they are the they are the initial pollinators that the the honeybees came from. But there's 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 um, millions and millions of different um, insect species and almost all of them are crawling on the ground and moving over moving over plants or flying and landing on plants so they all have uh, effects on pollination so uh, they are also one of the main reasons we have our forested ecosystems and desert ecosystems and and um, mountainous uh, flowering plants. And these plants not only give off oxygen, but they help stabilize the soil. They actually create the soil and build on the soil. And they're, they're very valuable. But one of the reasons that they're valuable, extremely valuable to the human race is that the most nutrient dense foods on earth that we eat are fruits and vegetables and nuts come from uh, these animals. And without them, we are left with wind pollinated foods which are are not nutrient deplete they're just not as dense and they they don't feed our organs and our brains um, and, and give us the, the the nutrients the way that these other foods do um, unfortunately we're facing a mass extinction event this is an accelerated extinction um, older people are more aware of this um, because we've we've seen what used to be on earth you know birds used to be everywhere and and um animals used to be more more prevalent and insects used to be more prevalent you used to see cobwebs actual cobwebs with spiders and and um or excuse me spider webs and insects would be flying in and out you almost never see that today and that's the the foundation of the food chain now unless you live at the ocean or your or your work is on or near the ocean you don't notice as much that 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 the oceans are changing as well you don't smell this sea as much as you used to if you're on in coastal ranges you don't smell the plants in the mountains as much as you used to now um there's a lot of known factors behind these extinction events. Of course, human overpopulation, we have, we have exploded over the past several decades. We've been taking resources at a horrific rate. Um, we've also been polluting exponentially um, with, with toxic materials and uh, toxic elements into the atmosphere and on soils. And then of course there's nuclear waste. So, so these are things that, that, can actually be cleaned up, 
but we really have to work at sharing the information as quickly as possible. We are, we are probably uh, not going to make it as a species until 2025. And by that, I don't mean every single person on earth, but the bulk of the population right now with what's occurring, and we'll cover these things through, through, through this event, through this presentation, the bulk of things that are occurring right now are, are, are designed to, bring us to an end so can i ask a want... question before we yeah, move yeah. before we move forward because a very similar narrative to what you just said is what the world economic forum is saying they're using very very similar words so i want to make a distinction because i know that you're coming from a completely different place and saying it to completely different ends but i want to make sure that it is clear because otherwise people who are hearing the words are, are overpopulation they immediately think oh it's just like Bill Gates you know, saying that we're overpopulated, so we have to, you know, take measures his way. And from from my perspective, when I was thinking about that, it seems like it's less so we as a species. Even though I guess if you look at it from outside of the human species, and anything com coming out of human human beings, that would be coming from the human species. But it is far less so on the level of an individual then on the level of the industry, for example. And now, while well, the World Economic Forum funded entities are saying, so we should take care of all that overconsumption, all of that overpopulation, but they're suggesting measures that are actually making things much worse. So for example, they want to introduce sensors and trackers everywhere, and that's servers, and that's electricity, and that's water, and that's rare minerals. So they're trying to introduce more destruction. But I'm thinking, and from what I was reading, like for example, Vandana Shiva did uh, research uh, to the fact of if we were doing things in a more organic way, even farming, then with the existing amount of people, we would not be dealing with any sort of overpopulation. We would be we would be fine. Like the the the, the traditional practices would feed everybody just fine. So it's more on the industry side and on the on the way that everything is arranged that is very high-end R&D, very high-end tech that takes up a lot of resources. That is what's causing the depletion and the pollution, of course, and all the awful things that they're doing. And also the fact that a very tiny amount of people want to control a whole lot of resources, if not all of them. So can you please address that? Yes. So, so these things are, they are happening. They are, they are happening. They are catastrophic. Um, the underlying technologies that are creating a lot more of the problems. So, so, and and we are getting to all of the gates stuff and and agriculture later in the in the presentation. So, yep. um, the triple threat right now that has been built up over the past several decades without the knowledge or consent of most people on earth are the technologies, uh, geoengineering, the fifth generation telecommunications and the internet of things. And, and so um, we're gonna start with uh, one of the biggest lies of all, which is uh, climate change. So um, the, the, the climate is changing, but not for the reasons that the World Economic Forum and Gates are discussing. So, 
if, if you're an older person, you probably remember back in the um, late 60s, early 70s, they were talking about the greenhouse effect. And then by the 90s, it changed to global warming. And then more recently, they're calling it climate change. Um, but we're going to show you how most of this is actually climate engineering. It's the engineering of the climate. So if you think about the, the greenhouse effect, when they were pushing that narrative, the green a greenhouse is is a, an enclosed, uh, an, an, an encapsulated um, building where you have, where you want to grow plants. So, so you, you, you put a good soil in there, you start, you, you start growing your plants and they, they grow. But when you walk into a greenhouse, you walk into a, a building that is encapsulated the same way our atmosphere is. Um, and uh, the plants grow and, and they're very generally very fragrant. They're green and lush. And if you think about what the, what the um, temperature is, it's generally um, a, a warmer temperature. It's very temperate. It doesn't get icy cold or, or burning hot. And, and it does get warm enough where the plants are transpiring and it's very moist. And sometimes the moisture collects and drips down the walls but the, the trees and plants are lush and green um, and they, uh, they emit a lot of oxygen. And in large scale greenhouses, they even put, they even install carbon dioxide emitters, CO2 emitters. And the plants absorb that and they become more and more lush. And, 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 and it's, a, it's, a very, uh, it's, a, it's a it's a very consistent atmosphere. So what would happen on earth if the greenhouse effect were the problem is we would have gone through a period over the past, you know, 20 or 30 years since they were talking about the greenhouse effect where we had very lush plants and we had a lot of tropical rainfall. The tropics would have expanded uh, beyond the equator and plants would be uh, absorbing more carbon dioxide and emitting more oxygen. And we would have more rainfall, not less rainfall. We wouldn't have these extreme droughts. We also wouldn't have weather whiplash. Um, we, we wouldn't have extreme heat and cold differences. We wouldn't have extreme wet and dry differences. We wouldn't have uh, all, all of these catastrophic drought to, uh, drought to flood uh, events. Um, and, and our trees and plants would be flourishing. We would also have more oxygen in the atmosphere because the plants would be absorbing the carbon dioxide and emitting oxygen. And yet today, what we see is severe distress in plants all over the world. We see plants that are searing off the top, uh, that, are, that are dying on the top or on the sides, and they're sprouting from the base or from the trunk. There's also more rust and rot and mold and leaf discoloration and leaf deformation and weather whiplash. It is the exact opposite of what would happen if global warming were to occur. Now they had to change it. They had to change it from, from, uh, from the greenhouse effect to global warming because it was getting warm. But then the past couple of years, we've also had extreme ice events. So now they're calling it climate change. But what, what we're going to show you in here is that it's not climate change, it's climate engineering. Now, geoengineering <clears throat> is defined as deliberate large-scale intervention in Earth's natural systems to counteract climate change. 
But that is only the definition if you go to the science foundations. So when science foundations are doing geoengineering projects, they're talking about climate mitigation. So they do research, development, and execution. Um, and some of the universities, for example, uh, Oxford University, um, uh, Harvard University, Stanford, all the all the you know the, the 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 universities that are doing geoengineering, their students are learning about geoengineering as something beneficial. But geoengineering is also used by the military um, for warfare and also for for profit, um, uh, whether is a whether is a highly profitable industry. So for the institutions, um, these are a handful of institutions. So I have a, a few examples. So Oxford University will do research on um, the effectiveness and the cost and the timeline for different types of geoengineering projects. So for example, these space mirrors up here, they're, they're pretty costly to get out into space, but they can block sunlight and, um, and be, be effective at blocking sunlight, but aerosol geoengineering with airplanes, um, it's very readily available and very, very cheap to deliver aerosols that way, and then over oceans to deliver aerosols over oceans. But things like biochar, you know, binding carbon and, and sequestering carbon. So that the, the main types of research for universities is solar radiation management, and, and that's abbreviated SRM, and that's blocking sunlight coming into the earth to help cool the earth. And then also carbon dioxide removal or sequestering carbon. But when they, when, when universities are talking about doing things um, like creating crops that reflect sunlight, those are genetically engineered crops and genetically engineered trees. They're not talking about preserving what we have naturally already. Now, Stanford University does projects where, where they're effective versus affordability versus safety. So the, oops, so the red and the orange are, are unsafe. Are, 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 are um, technologies that are less safe. So stratospheric aerosol injection, um, they're blocking natural sunlight using toxic elements, but it's very, again, cheap to deliver, you know, cheap to deliver through the, those technologies. Where afforestation or planting trees is very affordable, but it's not very effective because it takes 30 plus years to create a forest. So they go through these I, different I've got a question. Yes. Uh, in this case, planting forests. Uh, I did not know that they were talking about planting genetically engineered trees, or did I understand this correctly? Yes. So, so the, the universities that are working on the crops and, and uh, plants, overall plants, for global warming, global warming and climate change, those universities... Um, are uh, are working exclusively with agrochemical companies. So almost all almost all universities that work in agriculture are now connected to agrochemical and chemical companies. That's where they get their funding from. So most of the geoengineering universities are funded by agrochemical companies and chemical companies and companies that that benefit from the use of these technologies. So they create a problem which is what we're going to show you that geoengineering is the engineered way to create 
climate disruption, and then they and then they provide the solutions through technologies instead of nature, and um, and uh, excuse me. So so the second uh, main uses of this are are for government um, and and military because using climate for warfare, inducing drought, inducing floods, redirecting atmospheric rivers. You can uh, you can easily take out a whole country without ever firing a bullet. So these are some of the institutions that that work on the military side of geoengineering. These are a handful of hundreds and hundreds of documents. And if you look at the lower portions of this um, uh, of this presentation, these are all links to the uh, to to what we're discussing on the pages. I put the I always put links on the bottom if someone wants to look further. But you can also go to the uh, to the website. So um, global weather exchanges uh, right now, the, the technologies and weather itself are, are traded through uh, global weather exchanges. And the reason is, is a third of all industry on earth is directly connected to the weather. So if you control the weather around the industries, you have, uh, you have a, a hand up in controlling global economies. So communications and telecommunications, uh, military contractors, pharmaceutical, um, transportation and energy are all dependent on the weather. So if you wanna control global economies, you control that, that factor of global economies. So this is an example of one of the one of the larger scale weather modification companies. It's been in the works for over uh, 50 years, around 60 years now. And on the right hand side, these are a handful of the of the countries and then a handful of the projects within the countries. So, for example, in in uh, in Turkey, there's rain enhancement programs. And then in the UAE, they have a rainfall program through this country. And then in the US, aquifer authorities and US Naval Warfare Center use their services as well. So this is one of the larger scale. And then for mid-scale um, companies, Acquiesce does, uh, does um, work for helping alleviate drought in certain countries. And then on a smaller scale, this company, this company uh, does uh, will, will fly anywhere in the world for about hundred thousand dollars, and and they will use a pretty antiquated type of of technology, but they'll rain the system out before it gets to you. So if you're having a wedding or you have a, a big game coming up, if you're a sports company, you can ring the system out. They'll 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 seed the clouds so the water will drop before it gets to you. Now the problem with this is this can be done without the knowledge or consent of your neighboring communities or counties or farmers. So it's it's not um, it's 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 not the best thing. Now in the United States in particular, we have um, we have uh, very loose weather modification laws. It it it's generally done without again, the knowledge or consent of communities. Um, but for example, uh, up in the Sierra Nevada mountain range in California, uh, 
they'll do cloud seeding in the wintertime to create snow. And that does two things. It helps the resorts that have skiing, but it also packs water so that the farmers in the valleys on both sides get water. But they're using chemicals within that system, which are, which are not legal in other countries um, because of some of the, some of the chemical additives, because they, they, they kill soil microbes because they're an insecticide. So, so we're not always, we're told that some things are beneficial when they're only partially beneficial. So how does all of this occur? So these- okay, can, I, can I please ask you, and also, well, it's a remark, and also I would love to know your opinion. So at the same time, two things exist. On the one hand, we're supposed to believe that none of it is happening, and anybody's mentioning that is a conspiracy theorist. But on the other hand, there are articles right now, even in mainstream media, saying that, yes, about half of the states, I think, in, in the United States of America are doing cloud seeding and different weather modification programs. So it is a very interesting psychological situation where it's almost like we're supposed to believe two things at the same time if we are in the mainstream. So do you encounter that? And what are your thoughts on that? Oh, all the time. Um, so, so one of the things, so after, you know, we, I've been doing this for, for 10 years. So there's a, there, there is a shift. A lot more people are willing to discuss geoengineering now. Um, when, when, uh, I, I have been called a conspiracy theorist, but very rarely I, I provide enough information and have information on, on our site that, that shows commercial and, and military, um, uh, links so they can go themselves. And, and the thing about conspiracy theory, that, that term, it is an antiquated term and, and it can almost not be used today by an educated person. So in the 1960s, you know, it became big with the CIA because of the, 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 um, the Kennedy assassination. But people back then, you couldn't get on your phone and, and Google climate engineering or a university or, or excuse me, you couldn't, you couldn't get on your phone and Google information about what happened. But today, all you have to do is open your phone and and, and you can research. And it's the same thing with the pandemic. There's peer-reviewed published documents on, on the fact that masks cause damage and blah, blah, blah. So, so there's also peer-reviewed stuff where it, where it says that, it, that it's safe, but the, but the numbers for the unsafe outnumber it. So all it takes is, is, is the ability to use your phone for something other than taking selfies or taking a picture of your dinner you know, you use it as the computer that it is. So, so if, if someone calls you a conspiracy theorist, you know, they're a tinfoil hat, you know, you're wearing a tinfoil hat. It's better to wear a tinfoil hat than it is to wear a dunce cap. You know, if, if you're going to be that ignorant and, and, and you have to be ignorant if you're not going to look something up because the, the, the root of, of ignorance is to ignore. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It means you're ignoring something like smoking is bad for you. Yeah, if you're, if you're smoking and you say smoking's not bad for you, you're being ignorant because there's plenty of information out there that, that states it. You're just too lazy to look at it. You don't want to know. And so I don't, I'll deal with those people for a little while, but, but uh, I, I don't really care. I, I, and I'd rather not preach to the choir. I'd rather have someone on the fence and provide information so that they can do it themselves. I used to do social media. You know, I, I've been blocked now from everything. I've been blocked from everything. I can't even get on my own 
Facebook page for, for Be Heroic anymore. Um, but but uh, people would, would say, you know, prove it. And I provide links to, um, for example, Harvard University's geoengineering. And they, they'd say, uh, oh, so you sent us to Harvard, you know, you sent us here. Why, why didn't you say it yourself? And, and I said, I did say it. You told me to prove it. <laughs> so, so they put you in this, in this, this game and it's, they're not worth it. I don't care. I don't care if people believe me or not. I'm providing information. They can look it up themselves. So anyway, um, so, so, so this is Oliver's travels. People can look it up or not. They, they don't have to, I don't care. I'm, I'm just showing them what's out there. So, so these technologies that create the different climate and weather patterns, there's a handful of them. Um, laser technologies, ionospheric heaters, sounding rockets, ionizers, cloud seeding operations through airplanes, ship tracks, ground-based ionizers, um, and uh, uh, persistent contrails and things like that. So these technologies um, are very advanced. The most visible of all of the technologies, things that people see all the time, are aerosol geoengineering with airplanes. But we also are using, um, in the stratosphere, rockets and balloons, and then over the ocean, ship tracks. So in, in airplanes, we're using both commercial and military airplanes. And what is being expressed from these airplanes are not just chemicals. Um, a lot of people uh, think that it's mostly chemicals that's being sprayed from the airplanes, but there's a lot of other elements. So there's, there's biologic agents, there's uh, filaments um, and, and other particulates, uh, things like fiberglass and uh, aluminum coated fiberglass and things like that in chaff. But the most common elements sprayed on us come from what's called the Wellsbach patent, aluminum, barium, strontium, and other elements. But more recently, heavy iron oxides um, and coal fly ash releases are the primary drivers in climate change. Now there's peer reviewed public documentation on this. Um, we have a lot of information on our website, but there's also um, what, what are called alien elements. For example, Morgellons. Um, under National Institute of Health, Morgellons fibers have an unknown source, but it's generally geoengineering. Um, and these are living elements that we inhale and they get, they get in our bodies and infect us. But we've also recently found graphene. Um, Dane Wigington of Geoengineering Watch um, uh, has collected graphene. Um, he's a researcher. He's got a team. He's got a legal team and a scientific team that he works with. Um, so we're also inhaling that as well as all these other things. Now with with geoengineering, the uh, other other technologies include ionospheric heaters, and these superheat the atmosphere at certain points. They can raise and lower the ionosphere, so they move atmospheric rivers and cause anomalous cloud types. Um, they can also induce uh, earthquakes, and these are all on the the um, patents for these different technologies. So on the right hand side, you can see that some of the documents from the HARP studies that are done with Stanford University in, um, in the United States. HARP is the High Altitude Rural Research Program uh, um, in Gakona, Alaska. And uh, it's one of the older 
um, facilities, facilities with ionospheric heaters. There's uh, one that's about a hundred times the size of HARP um, in Europe uh, that's functioning right now as well. So we also have ground-based ionizers and um, they use those, I think, in the Tibetan plateau and then laser technologies. These were used recently, um, this year and last year in Dubai or in the UAE, oh, in Dubai for, uh, for cooling down, uh, the, the temperature was getting up to, I think, 125 degrees Fahrenheit. So they did some um, laser engineering and, and created rain to cool this cool the area down. Now, one of the problems with using these technologies is they're, they're not very precise and they over flush the system. So they also had flooding. So there are side effects to these large scale engineering projects. But when you can bring rain, China, for example, has the, the largest array uh, in, in I, I think one of the largest arrays in the world and one of the largest public geoengineering projects. So um, they're doing, they're, they're, they're bringing rain to the Tibetan plateau. So that brings water down. I think it's the Yangtze river, but I'm not sure, but it feeds five, four or five hydroelectric dams. So they're doing it for the, for e economic benefits, but also for their crops. Um, and Russia is likely doing the same thing. We're benefiting from that system going through. So, so the, the only wheat crops that are, that are healthy pretty much in the whole world are in those two countries. So we used to have stellar blue skies and natural systems um, going through countries all over the world. We had, we had stable weather systems that led to stable climates, unless there was a huge anomalous solar flare or something. But today, what we're seeing is more and more odd-looking clouds, um, perpetual haze all over the world. That's part of the geoengineering global dimming projects. Now, these projects are occurring so often, and they're so prevalent, that by 2017, the World Meteorological Organization had listed new cloud types. Um, so there's about a dozen new cloud types with a handful of subtypes of clouds. And the very first cloud type listed was called homogenitus, which means man-made. So contrail to cirrus, persistent contrail, persistent spreading contrail. And the thing that um, most people who were observers of the sky, they called them chemtrails. Now, chemtrails is a conspiracy theory term, but chemtrails are a term that was created by the uh, U.S. Air Force in uh, the, the late 80s, early 90s, um, to describe uh, chemical aerosols that were dispersed from planes. So there's actually a U.S. Air Force document on chemtrails, but the, the aerosol trails that we see today are not just chemicals. Again, they're chemicals and metal particulates and biologic agents. So that, so these aerosol trails are not the same thing that you see with natural condensation trails from- Can I can ask a quick question? When you're talking about biological uh, agents, can you list a few? Because I'm, I'm sure everybody's wondering. Oh, we had them listed on the- on the late in the presentation. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so biologic agents uh, like Morgellons and, um, and fungal elements and things like that. 
So, and, and, and we have more information uh, on our, on the website too, if you go to the Be Heroic website resources page. Thank you. So uh, in order for condensation, if, if you're in a cold area and you're talking with your friends and the humidity level is high enough, you'll see your breath because it's warm air and moisture being released from your mouth. And that's the same thing that you would see in an airplane if it had an engine type that could make and, and uh, make a condensation trail um, because the engine is, is warm, the fuel is warm, the air, the air is cold, so you would have a condensation trail. So in order for a natural trail to form, you have to have an engine that makes that. So today... Most planes don't have an engine that creates a condensation trail. Most engines today are what's called a high bypass turbofan engine. Um, and the elevation, it has to be well above 28,000 feet at minus 40 degrees and 70% humidity. So, so up until the early 2000s for the first 50 years of aviation, you would only see condensation trails in the northern latitudes where it was cold enough and humid enough for these to happen. But today you see them all the way down to the equatorial regions. You see them on very hot, dry days over deserts and, and things like that. Um, so when you look in the sky and you see these big persistent contrails, and remember, these are the first cloud type that are listed under the new cloud types. You'll see, for example, on the left-hand side, there's one that looks like the eye of a needle and one that's straight. And on the upper right-hand side, you have different colors. On the lower right-hand side, you have two planes around the same elevation, same engine type, and only one of them is making a trail. Um, you'll also see planes, if we go in a clockwise direction, starting in the upper left, uh, there's, there's a dark aerosol being released from that plane. And then on the right-hand side, upper right, you'll see uh, four engines, um, but the aerosols are being dispersed from the wingtips. Uh, the lower right-hand side is pretty self-explanatory. And, and then on the left-hand side, um, you'll see four engines, but the, the aerosols are being released from nozzles that are above the engine itself. And in all of these images, you, what you do not see is what's called a contrail gap. And that's the gap that forms between the release of the moisture and the temperature difference. So each one of these has a trail coming directly from the plane, and it should actually start several plane lengths back because because if it was a natural, if it was a natural condensation trail, that's how they occur. So um, this uh, this video right here is a is a wingtip to wingtip sprayer. Whoops. And um, this is at upper elevation. So it has, it has nozzles where the aerosol is being released across, across the wingtip. Now, Geoengineering Watch is a wonderful website. We have a link to that as well on, on beheroic.com. But let me, let me go forward just a little bit. Uh, so this is completely off, and then it, they're turning on. You can see, obviously, none of that is coming out of the engine. So it's not a, it's not a condensation trail. And they'll spray these across the sky um, on clear days. They will also spray over the tops of cloud layers during storms. So that's when you'll see a lot more occur and you'll also see darker aerosols. But, but you can see um, 
you can see that the kind of the rainbow color, the chemical color um, from this from this aerosol. Um, you'll also see markers in the sky. Sometimes they're X's or T's or dashes. Uh, when they're when they're making the, this homogeneous or man-made cloud layer, you'll you'll also see. Sometimes it's done very systematically, so you'll see uh, you'll see parallels or grid patterns. But you'll also see sometimes goofy patterns or just regular air traffic patterns. When you see these darker aerosols, this is carbon black, and they will spray this above storms because people would be more apt to believe something bad was occurring if they saw these dark carbon black aerosols being sprayed above their head. But when they do it above storms, above rain or snowstorms, it, it leaves the atmosphere very murky. So uh, if, you're, if you're an older person, you remember when you had natural storms, you'd have the rain come in and the storm would roll out and break apart and you would have a crisp, gorgeous, clear sky, bright blue sky. And in the evenings, you'd have blankets of stars and it was lovely and the, the night sky was uh, dark, deep blue. And today what we see instead is perpetual haze after storms and, and a kind of a reddish, bluish, haze in the sky. We don't see our, our, our beautiful blue-black evening skies anymore. So once you have that once you have that engineered cloud layer, that homogeneous layer, uh, this is another cloud type. We're not going to spend as much time on these other cloud types because these are the results of generally that first aerosolized cloud. So this is a the new alto cirrus or strato cirrus. Now, th these things, because it's mostly the chemicals or the, the, the particulates, aluminum, barium, strontium, and then the, the carbon black elements, aluminum is highly reflective. So universities, when they say, we're going to do geoengineering, you know, we're going to spray the sky and, and create a reflective cloud layer. Uh, when you look up at the sun, if it's a natural cloud passing between you and the sun itself, the sun blocks, or the cloud blocks the sun out. But when, when, it's a loaded, when it's loaded with aluminum and it's an unnatural manufactured cloud, the sun become, the clouds become a blinding blob where the sun is. But because they're using aluminum to scatter the light particulates, when you look down behind you, it's a very soft shadow and everything is hazy around you. The, the light is very dull. Now they say this is gonna help this is going to help cool the planet because we're blocking the sunlight. Now that that might be true, but all those toxic elements rain down on the soil and destroy the soil and the plants. Um, plus, it blocks the sunlight. Now we need sunlight. Sunlight helps our body produce vitamin D. It helps plants photosynthesize. So as they're blocking the natural lights, these, these same investors in geoengineering are investing in genetically engineered crops that grow in low sunlight, that grow with, um, that produce chlorophyll without sunlight, that, that, uh, that grow in soils that have, that are loaded with aluminum. So this cloud layer is one of the more common cloud types that we'll see. And because it has iron and other elements in it, you can also keep the moisture in it and stop the moisture wherever you want. So you can actually hack these clouds and edge these clouds out. 
And then there's another cloud type that occurs uh, with additional frequency. These scalar clouds is, are, are made also from homogeneous clouds. So as you can see in the lower right, that sun should be dimmed out. It shouldn't be magnified. But again, because of the aluminum, it's scattering that sunlight. So this is a, 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 an image from NASA Worldview. And in this lower part, these are all aerosols that were just sprayed. And then over the ocean right here, you can see ship tracks. Ships are just aerosols that are, uh, our ship tracks are aerosols made from ships instead of planes. And then up here, you see those scalar clouds. So the difference in time between this aerosol down here, this new cloud type and this new cloud type could be anywhere from an hour or two hours to just a few minutes. The, the technology that we have can change these cloud types, these aerosol cloud types within minutes. Sometimes you can see an aerosol being expressed out of a plane and within a minute you'll see uh, either scalar or, or alto cirrus coming out. Now, because you can control this, you can also block moisture from coming in. So this is off the coast of uh, the, the, the uh, Western US. So, so they've, blocked, they've blocked the moisture coming in the same way that, uh, that they blocked it all last year during the wildfires and how they are currently blocking it this year to keep those wildfires going. So we're gonna go through these other cloud types more quickly. There's only a couple more. Um, these shelf clouds on the upper side, uh, on the upper um, part of the slide are called shelf clouds. The lower ones are called roll clouds. And, um, and then on the left-hand side, you have undulatus aspiratus. And on the right-hand side, you have mammatus. Now for the first uh, 45 plus years of my life, I never saw these clouds, never saw mammatus. And I've seen them hundreds and hundreds of times since then. So because the atmosphere is loaded with metals and they're backing the moisture up, um, that those, those nanoparticulates are breaking the moisture up, but they're loaded with metals and the atmosphere is highly electrostatic. So it must discharge. So therefore we end up with record lightning. There's record lightning occurring all over, all over the planet right now. Um, a lot of it is cloud to cloud lightning as opposed to cloud to ground because it just has to discharge. And storms now have tens of thousands of releases of lightning um, where we used to see just a handful. So because the atmosphere is loaded with all of these chemicals and metals and, and uh, coal fly ash, it ends up coming down in the rain and, and causes spots um, on vehicles and, and property. And um, you'll see it sitting on the leaves of plants, but it's also going into soil, which is very dangerous. Um, with different chemicals, ice nucleation chemicals and the backing up of storms, we also have extreme hail, which is horrific, very deadly for wildlife and livestock, um, as well as damaging property. Um, but it destroys crops. So if you can use this weather as a weapon over another country, um, you can you can really wreak havoc on their on their food economy as well. Uh, ice nucleation chemicals are are now very prevalent in global weather systems. They leave chemical smears. 
uh, on plants. They cause uh, they cause snow to occur, uh, snow and ice to occur well above freezing. Um, so it can be 35, 40, 45 plus degrees and create snow, but it can also uh, do the opposite. It can also allow for rain to occur and then flash out as snow. And it causes snow to behave in ways that is unnatural. It doesn't bind at the right temperature. So it, it becomes very slick in some cases. Uh, this is an example of an engineered section over uh, over north or over South Dakota, where it was only 40 degrees and it killed uh, well over 100,000 um, head of cattle. Now it was it was over 40 degrees, so it was raining because snow occurs at, in Fahrenheit at 32 degrees. Um, but Cows, cows don't open their mouths to breathe. They breathe out of their nose. So it was raining and their heads are down and then it flashes out to snow and ice. And so they ended up, ended up suffocating. Now, every, every two years, the American Meteorological Society hosts, uh, hosts a conference on planned and inadvertent weather modification. So by 2020, this was their 44th meeting on accidental and planned weather modification. Oh, so, what do they mean by accidental? Um, so when you do a large engineering project, that it's a weather project, when you engineer an area, so say you want to bring rain to an area, you can accidentally flood the area or flood the surrounding areas. Or if rain is coming to an area and you want to clear it out because there's too much rain, you can induce drought downstream. Or you can accidentally intensify a storm and cause a hurricane or intensify a hurricane. Or you can break up a hurricane if you wanted a tropical system to, go, to be moved to go over an area that didn't have enough water. So, so um, this particular year, for this AMS, for the for the AMS conference you see on this slide, they did aerosol approaches to engineering um, ethics and governance, which means should we tell the public? How much should we tell the public? Does the public have a right to know or be involved in the discussions? Blah blah blah. And notice that this was in January of 2020, so most people were being sidetracked in regard to the uh, the false flag pandemic. Um, and then they discussed the history of ice nucleation research and the impacts on, on uh, geoengineering. And this question, oh, oh sorry, question. So yeah, yes. when we talk about those conferences, it's usually positioned in the public mind that scientists are getting together to discuss future possibilities. But a lot is already happening, has been happening for a while. So if we are looking just at conferences, uh, you know a lot about it. So is it true that they're mostly discussing it as the framework of the future or are no. they actually talking about what's being done? No, these are all projects, um, both past, present, future. Okay. Yes. So this is the 44th conference. Um, and, and earlier, earlier um, there was a slide that was up on, on the, on the military that, that had some of the documents that go back to 1966, but there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of state and federal documents in the United States alone on these. Um, and then 
Again, on the Be Heroic website, we have resources and links to um, all of the published documents and the other websites that have the full histories for for different uh, for, for for the different areas of geoengineering, as well as patents, the people involved, the um, corporations, blah blah blah. So, Thank you. geoengineering impacts everything from the top down. So not, not just our weather patterns, but everything underneath, uh, underneath that. So for soils and plants and, and um, all of the water systems, it is horrific. Now, the, the biggest uh, problem with the atmosphere right now is the, the catastrophic loss of ozone. M mainstream media doesn't cover this any more than they cover the, the, the topics of of what's really happening with the pretend pandemic and all of the thousands and thousands of physicians and scientists that are screaming their heads off about the fact that that COVID won't kill the average healthy person. And, and there's easy ways to remedy yourself if you get sick, if you have a healthy immune system, blah, blah, blah. Well, they are they have completely covered up what is occurring with geoengineering and the impacts of that as well. But if anyone walks outside this very moment and it's sunny out and there's no clouds, when the sun is on your skin, even if it's only 70 or 80 degrees out, the sun is searing. It burns your skin. And that's because of the, the breakdown in global ozone. It is so broken down, in fact, that within the next two to three years, there will be no more outdoor agriculture with the systems that they are, they are doing right now. We have UVC radiation coming through right now. That's what's causing the searing on your hands. That's why when you walk outside and you look at trees where the trees transpire or where they release moisture, it's being superheated. So it's it's drying out the top of the tree and the leaves and plant leaves are drying on the tops of the trees. So they start sprouting out of the base. Um, in, in the springtime, when the leaves are, are just starting to bud out, if the sun is on them too hard, you'll see them sear or burn on the outside. Um, but it lowers, it, 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 it's lowered the relative humidity because the nanoparticulates that come down, they come down, they break up the existing moisture. So they keep, they keep the moisture suspended. And the people doing the climate engineering will move those moisture systems around and then supersede them to release the moisture um, or use a laser technology to release the moisture so they can flood out a system or they can move it around and do, uh, do an area of cropland if they want. But geoengineering also causes weather whiplash, extreme heat, extreme cold. It causes anomalies. It causes... Um, different types of uh, chemical imbalances in plants in the fall when the leaves uh, change color and, and a chemical reaction occurs for the, the trees to express or release the leaves. That's not happening anymore. We have uh, deciduous trees where the leaves are just sitting on the, the uh, tree or the, the bush and it just sits there, doesn't change color and then it dies and then the wind blows it away. Um, and then it, uh, geoengineering, because the, 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 more, the, the soil absorbs the nanomaterial, aluminum itself disrupts a plant's ability to take up moisture and nutrients. So you end up with 
you end up with plants that are dry from the inside out. So this exacerbates wildfires. It also causes problems with, um, with the, the surface layers of soil, the soil microbes. And with geoengineering, you can also cause droughts downstream in downstream communities or down, downstream countries. But for, for all life on earth, uh, especially tiny life like pollinators and small animals and, and livestock, we are constantly inhaling, obviously with every breath we take these different chemicals. Now with tiny insects, inhaling aluminum and metals and, and, and these other agents causes the same problems as it does in, in humans that, that are loaded with aluminum. It causes uh, a type of dementia that's similar to Alzheimer's. So there was a PLOS study done uh, several years ago with doctors uh, Goulson, um, who is a, um, an entomologist, one of the leading bumblebee experts in the world. Um, and then Dr. Chris Exley, uh, who's a neuroscientist and Dr. Ellen Rotheray on, on um, bumblebees, on, a, on, on bumblebee pupa that were coming, that were uh, emerging loaded with aluminum and they had severe dementia. Now, when this happens in, in any insect, you know, they have problems with navigation and, and other things like that, but they're also going to plants. They're going out to plants and collecting nectar and pollen that is loaded with barium and aluminum and things like this. And it disrupts their gut microbiome and, and in humans, the shikimate pathway in our brains as well. But filaments are part of the problem you probably notice some days after big aerosol sprays, you'll see these long filaments. Those are not spider webs. Those are a, a, a chemical filament. Um, and the reduction in humidity all over the world, which is again, opposite of what would happen with uh, the greenhouse effect, the greenhouse, greenhouse gas effect. If, if we had global warming, we would have a lot more evaporation, a lot more condensation that would rain down. So we would have a more temperate tropical climate, not a severely dry deplete of, of humidity climate. Now, all of the terrestrial insects, the beetles, well, some beetles, a lot of the beetles fly, but ants and other insects that crawl on the ground and earthworms, they, and, 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 and other, other ants, animals and insects that get their water from that morning dew no longer get it. So we have a massive decline in insect populations. Um, and then uh, the sunlight is also impacted, which not only plants, but uh, other animals need for, for health and for navigation. And then the weather whiplash, this extreme heat and cold is, is very deadly for, for, for animals. Now, and, and livestock for, for humans, we are inhaling these, they impact uh, the particulates themselves, impact every cell in our body, these nanoparticulates. There are elevated levels of dementia and, um, and neurologic problems and respiratory problems, all the result of geoengineering. Now in controlling weather, you have a leg up in telecommunications because 5G or fifth generation telecommunications and the internet of things depends on weather in order to perform at optimal levels. So uh, 5G just simply means fifth generation telecommunications and 5G is based, is the foundation for the internet of things. So the network society where every person and everything will be interconnected. 
And the Internet of Things wants to be able to view and surveil and collect and control everything on every inch of Earth. So, so uh, the Internet enables the interconnection of, of pretty much all devices. And, and uh, the thing and things that are equipped with the sensors that will send data to the internet and be a transmitter and receiver all are part of the internet of things. So the internet of things includes the internet of nano things and the internet of bio things. Um, so in, in the surveillance, so, so satellites from the top down, the internet of things includes Internet and 5G includes everything from outer satellites. So there's uh, around a half a million low earth orbiting satellites to these telecommunications towers. So in that communication, you cannot have any moisture or blocking systems. So if you have a big storm or a, or a system going over a region, whether it's a county or a country, that communication is disrupted. So you have to be able to control the weather within that particular area. So um, water droplets, condensation disrupts communications, whether it's long wave or millimeter wave communications for, for uh, 5G, fifth generation telecommunications. So, so uh, two through 4G, um, towers. Uh, we have about a quarter of a million in the U.S. There's anywhere from um, 10,000 to millions, depending on the country that you're in. Um, and, and those things are, are harmful to biologic systems, those, those longer waves. Um, but the 4G towers and 4G LTE are being used in conjunction with 5G. They're allowed to be removed if they cause harm. Fifth generation is a shorter frequency. Um, but there's, there's millions of towers added in, in front of homes and businesses and in certain countries, um, European countries have stopped this, but a lot of the first world countries uh, in, in North America and, and South America um, still allow these towers in front of schools. And then they've added 350 million street lamps. And with these partnered communications, um, it is the same as long wave communications. If, if you're an older person, you remember when you used to talk on the phone, if you went out into the middle of nowhere um, and there wasn't a tower, you couldn't use your cell phone. But also if there was a storm that went over you, you would have disruption. Because again, the moisture in the atmosphere disrupts the, these waves, these communications waves. Now there's ground wave systems called GWENs, ground wave emergency network systems um, that military uses. And then some, some other countries have them as well. And those are using a straight communication, not a satellite communication. So they don't, in those areas, um, it doesn't matter if there's clouds generally doesn't matter if there's clouds there or not. But in addition to these, this type of communication, um, the, the ionospheric heaters, the, the HARP system, for example, that is designed to, to allow people to communicate around the world. So the earth is 
you know, the, the earth is spherical. So those use different um, satellites as well for communications so they can reroute the communication. So it depends on the, the, the type of tower you're using at the time, the type of technology you have at the time. But today with this new technology, you must control the weather. Now, when this, this technology was, was introduced, it's, it's all part of, um, and, and uh, not an old technology. It's all, it's all throughout history for the past hundred years. A lot of it has been based on um, Tesla's technology, Nikola Tesla's technology. So, and, and, and other scientists as well. So the, the government and the, the elites, the, the people that are originally utilized and, and pushed this technology forward from our crank phones to dial-up phones to our, our very first um, flip phones and smartphones, they're way ahead of what they are showing us. So the plans for 5G, um, this particular uh, fella right here, um, Tom Wheeler, who was the, the, the chair of the FCC uh, way back um, during the Obama administration, um, he wasn't the first person to introduce or fast track 5G. The, the idea for the fifth generation communications and for the overthrow of communications and the overthrow of technology goes way back, as you know, from the Great Reset um, when it started before, when it was Agenda 2025 and Agenda 2030 and blah, blah, blah. But when they pushed this forward, they made sure globally that the safety studies were suppressed. So, um, so in, the, in regard to health, um, the Federal Communications Commission is not some massive commission of, of hundreds of scientists from all over the world that study health or know about computers or anything. It's a handful of, of back then, it was five C-level uh, um, industry CEOs and, and uh, C-level executives that were steering the, the rollout of 5G. Today, it's, it's four C-level ex executives from the telecommunications industry. Two of them were appointed by the, the Trump administration. Um, and, and they were just, all, all of the, the presidents in the United States, Republican or Democrat, uh, for the past 30 years, crooked as a dog's hind leg. It's all about, it's all about getting ready for the, the great reset. So the health impacts of 5G are extraordinary. Um, Dr. Martin L. Paul is professor emeritus of Washington State University. He's one of the, um, the leading biomedical experts. He's also a lead signatory on the 5G space appeal. Um, and uh, he's written uh, dozens and dozens of, of published papers. But the, the basic overview of what 5G does is it's, it's severe attack of the nervous system and endocrine system. It produces oxidative stress, uh, breaks single and double DNA A strands, um, and uh, it causes elevated aptosis, lower fertility, it impacts voltage-gated calcium channels, and it causes cancer. It does, does all of these things at its frequencies. 
Now, when we when we move from from uh, our what we live at, we live at the in the Hertz range, the um, uh, um, Schumann resonance again for uh, 7.83 Hertz, but but we're very comfortable within about uh, 10 Hertz up and down from that. But when we're exposed to 2G through 4G, second through fourth generation, we go from Hertz to megahertz. So the cycles per second jump to a million cycles per second. And then with 5G, they jump to a billion with a B, a billion cycles per second. So they're very, very short, tight waves, which is why we need so many more cell towers, because the communication between the cell towers has to overlap. So if you're driving a driverless vehicle down the street and you have a, a tower here and a tower here and, and the circulation, the, the, the radiation of those frequencies doesn't overlap. There's a second in between when the car, when the driverless vehicle doesn't have communications. It might keep going, but if there's a car that's stopped right here, it could crash in. So they have to overlap the, they have to overlap the um, structures for it. So um, you, you have to have this, this persistent thing, but you, you must cover everything on earth with this. So this electro smog is deadly, not just to insects and animals and plants, but to us. And we're not going to live without these other animals and plants. So this is an example of a, a tower that was put in, in the United States, um, uh, in, in a little town in California where they had, they had installed a tower and um, and initially it was just one little boy that got brain cancer. And then over, over a period of several months, uh, a handful of other students got cancer as well, all related to that non-ionizing radiation. So the parents uh, got together and had a meeting, contacted the school board, and the school board said that it wasn't the tower, that the sprint said it wasn't the tower, um, so that the parents hired a, a, um, an EMF expert and read, read the frequencies coming off the tower, and it was higher than what Sprint had said, but it was still well within the range. Now, the range of 5G is 30 to 300 gigahertz. And... Just as an example, at 30 gigahertz, people who are EMF sensitive already feel distress. Sometimes it's tinnitus, sometimes it's sleep problems, sometimes it's memory problems, um, respiratory problems on the low end. Uh, they, they get sick, they get dizzy, they, they have uh, uh, other problems related to that. Um, sometimes there's confusion, sometimes they get cramps. But when you jump to 60 gigahertz, for example, when they were uh, doing the installations in Wuhan. Um, Wuhan is China's first 5G city. They have 10,500 cell towers. And in late 2019, they were doing all, they were, they were opening up the smart city. So it goes to 60 gigahertz where it kind of depletes oxygen from the atmosphere and causes respiratory distress. Well, up to 90 90 to 95 gigahertz, it's used as a military crowd control weapon because it burns your skin. So when you get from 90 to 300 gigahertz, you're basically a dead person. So there's no 6G. You hear, you know, Donald Trump was boasting, we're going to be the first 6G country. We will be a, we'll be a dead country if that, if that were the case. Anyway, um, they did end up getting the towers taken out in Ripon, California. 
But if you drive through Ripon today, so this was, this was several years ago or two years ago, um, in March of 2020, one year later, uh, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, uh, spent a billion dollars to install 5G in all of the schools. So, so there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of ignorance by parents, especially um, young parents today in the United States um, and likely all over the world, where they grew up with cell phones when it was 2 and 4G. And, and because you know, they grew up with social media, they don't spend as much time researching on their, on their phones. And so they put phones in the hands of their children and they really don't see anything wrong with this. But there's another group of parents that, that is hyper aware. So they are working as well to, to get 5G out of schools and not just in the United States, um, all over the world. Now, Europe does have um, more, uh, the, the EU has more countries within it that don't allow 5Gs in, 5G in schools, or you can only have wired technologies in schools. But it's, it's different in, in, in all different countries and different cities. Um, in, in Belarus, for example, um, the, uh, there, there's, there's no 5G in, I'm pretty sure no 5G in, in the city anymore. Anyway, um, environmentally, it has enormous impacts. So these millimeter waves go through in humans, they go through the top two millimeters of our skin. So they're it's very bad. Our, our skin is the largest organ in our body. So it makes us uh, through our skin, um, dermally, uh, it, it makes us more susceptible to, to viruses and bacteria and things like that. But on earth, you know, there, there's, there's, um, microbes that live on every leaf and every twig on every branch of every plant and also the surface layer of soil. Um, so, so it causes mold and deformation and toxin production. It also causes a huge decrease in, in populations. Um, when you see deciduous trees or leafing trees around these small cells, you'll notice um, they express also a lot of terpenes. It gets very sticky. Um, in, in our forest out in Tahoe, it is completely destroyed. They, they fast-tracked 5G during the lockdown. Um, and um, up and down all the highways in the Sierras uh, last year with all the wildfires, they had installed 5G and that causes a uh, hundred times expression in terpenes. If you walk up to these trees and you run your fingers, so the pine needles, you can run your fingers down the pine needles and they stick, they're very sticky. But the pine cones themselves are, are very pitchy, expressing extra pitch or sap as well. But even these deciduous trees, which should have a beautiful, smooth, kind of a matte finish on aspens and willows and oaks and, and um, all the other plants, maples and, and um, even on our, on our shrubs out here, rabbit brush and things, they're very sticky. So that expression is, is occurring and it's very dangerous. So we have approached uh, firefighters and fire agencies in counties uh, from Colorado out to Hawaii and also in California, tried to get a hold of some of the leaders of, of uh, Cal Fire. And they're simply not interested in learning about geoengineering, how that disrupts a plant's ability to take up moisture, or 5G. There's simply too much money, billions of dollars in contracts 
for fighting fires. So they don't want to, they don't want to address the cause of the fire. They want to address the effect of the fire the same way that big pharma and the whole lie surrounding the pandemic. When the pandemic first started, they had people hiding in their houses and and um, putting a mask over their face. So you're depleting yourself of oxygen and you're re-inhaling bacteria and viruses and you're also out of the sunlight. So you're not getting any vitamin D. And I don't know if it happened anywhere else in the world, but in, in the United States, people were going to the stores and grabbing up all the toilet paper and the television showed people getting toilet paper and warning them, you know, you gotta wear masks and, and not a single television show showed people how to eat antiviral foods, you know, onions and garlic and, or, or grabbing a bunch of orange juice and vitamin C, (laughs) you know, we had piles and piles of oranges and, and they were full, but our toilet paper aisles were empty. So the same thing here, they'd rather sell a, a pharmaceutical fix and people would rather be attentive to the pharmaceutical fix, uh, than they would pay attention to the cause of the wildfires out here. Um, But for animals and insects, it is horrific because it penetrates the the top two millimeters of whatever it's it's radiating into. Most insects and animals are small, you know, birds and bats and and, and insects. Um, So it goes through the exoskeletons of insects and superheats the insects themselves, also causes reproductive problems. Um, causes problems with the exoskeleton, the chitin is destroyed, um, causes in, in, in insect swarming and aggression. And for birds and other insects, it disrupts their ability to utilize, uh, to utilize um, magnetic bases in, in earth. But one of the most deadly problems uh, that we are going to face on earth is 5G in the oceans. Now the, the, the catastrophic effect of this, we, we already have mass die-offs in the ocean from the geoengineering projects. Currently, for the, for the past six years or so, every ocean on earth has been covered in manufactured clouds. Now, when, when uh, if you remember back when we were talking about the scientific uses for geoengineering, blocking sunlight from the planet, um, if you create a cloud cover, you have, to, you have to let that cloud cover dissipate in the evening so that the heat from earth releases back into space. So as, the, as earth rotates away from the sun, the clouds go away and that heat that's trapped between the cloud releases. But currently we are capping, capping our oceans. And you can see this uh, on a daily basis through a, a lot of the NASA and NOAA, NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, and, um, and NASA websites. That you'll, you'll see that the, the oceans are covered. It, it used to be, you know, for the first four and a half billion or so years on Earth, you would have in the summertime, you'd have these swirling systems and Earth looked like a blue marble. But today it just looks like a big cataract. So if you keep those clouds over the ocean, you exacerbate global warming, but those are artificial clouds. They are breaking up the moisture. So there are these big layers of flat clouds and 
because they have aluminum and iron in them, the frequencies can go from the satellites through those artificial clouds because the moisture is all broken up. And this is a, a very difficult thing to grasp for a lot of people that we are controlling global systems. It doesn't mean that in between you know, these systems, there aren't some natural systems, but those natural systems are becoming fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer. And um, when I when I learned about geoengineering, like way, way back in 2009, I, I it took me a long time to really believe it because there wasn't as much information as there is today that's public. And um, and and because I, I work outside uh, hundreds of days a year and I'm outside in the evening hundreds of days a year, hundreds of nights a year. Um, I'm, I am constantly looking and, and observing systems. Now, um, the, the, when I finished college and I started the, the Tahoe Regional Environmental Education Project prior to Be Heroic, um, uh, I taught elementary classes on environment and then I taught um, regional colleges. We did supplemental programs at, at Lake Tahoe. So we taught geology, geography, flora, fauna, and meteorology. So in meteorology, we were talking a lot about climatic systems, climate systems, and weather systems, and how weather is created. So when you, when you have weather uh, occurring, it occurs at different times of the year, at different, um, in, in different seasons because of proximity to sun. Now, depending on where we are, uh, it doesn't matter, excuse me, it doesn't matter where we are, weather is created from, from a handful of variables. Uh, again, what season is it? So what's your distance from the sun, where you are on the planet? What's your distance from the sun? Uh, how much water is surrounding you? Are you near an ocean or a lake? Or are you in a, an area with mountain ranges? What's the topography? Are you in a valley? Are you in a mountain range? Are you in a high desert and a plateau? So for example, if you have that water coming across the ocean and there's a low mountain range, that system can come over. And then if there's a high mountain range, it gets, it gets kind of locked in there. So you'll have rain. And in the summer, um, that will build up and create these huge clouds. If you have a high mountain range and it will rain out, that system will get pushed up and rain out. And then beyond that, if you have another high area, you'll have a desert until the system can catch up with itself. So you'll have a rain shadow effect, for example. And that's what we have in the Lake Tahoe Basin. So that was just an example. Um, so we have, we have uh, farmland and then a high mountain range and then on the backside of us, because the moisture rings out here, we have a, a, a desert, but we don't have any of our natural systems occurring anymore because of all of the projects happening over the Pacific Ocean. And what we see over the Pacific Ocean through satellite imagery is all of the new cloud types, starting with the aerosol clouds, moving to these different engineered types of clouds and systems. And um, you see it all over the, all over the earth. Um, we all have these new cloud types and we rarely have our morning fog. We have no more dew in the morning in the Central Valley. Um, we don't have big lenticulars like, like we used to have in the wintertime. We don't have multiple days of rain or snow like we used to have. We have the new systems, the new fronts, the new cloud types. 
So because they're controlling all the weather over the ocean, they can bring 5G into the ocean. Now, part of the plans under um, under the, the World Economic Forum and, for example, uh, SpaceX and and um, Elon Musk and and everyone is to is to get our to get our space fence built to get the space force uh, going and to be able to 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 um, do more work in outer space. So Tesla Corporation, for example, and EarthX, they need uh, they need to do more mining because we don't have enough terrestrial lithium and, and other semi-precious minerals um, to build everything we need for this 5G infrastructure. So now they're looking to the ocean. So they're, uh, uh, Elon Musk has, has created one of the largest deep ocean mining projects in the world. And they call it a green mining project, but it is not. That's a massive, massive greenwash project. And it's supposed to go from from um, the uh, outside of San Diego, Southern California, all the way out to Hawaii. And in order to, to, to be that deep in the ocean um, and, to, and to have constant communications and to be able to surveil the bottom of the ocean, you, you must install 5G along the way and you must control the, uh, the weather systems in, in the Pacific over that, that massive area. So, so they've been prepping for 5G for decades by learning how to control the atmosphere on Earth. Now, Earth is also a place-based terraforming testing ground for all of these companies and corporations. If we ever want to live on Mars, uh, they have to be able to modify the weather on Mars because there's no atmosphere there. You'd have to create an atmosphere, create everything else, even though Earth took four and a half billion dollars and several mass extinctions to create the amount of perfect gases that we have to be able to live and breathe on years, right? Yes. So, so all of this is part of their plan. It is not part of our plan. We did not elect the World Economic Forum. They are not the boss of us. We need to take back what they're taking from us, but we must know what they're doing if we want to take it back. So uh, 5G is, is also a part of COVID. Um, the, 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 the class of coronaviruses, as you know, are one of the most prevalent of all the viruses. Are in our bodies, we have around 270 uh, billion or trillion, some extraordinary amount of viruses in our body. And coronaviruses are the largest class of viruses. But uh, the, the, the engineered virus, the virus that came out of the, the lab in Wuhan, um, probably didn't affect most of us. But what does affect most of us is 5G. And 5G has been built up over the past uh, 10 years, especially. And while most people on earth were sidetracked with um, TV and social media for the past decade and things like that, just living their lives and working in some cases. Um, the, the, the World Economic Forum and their, their group was pushing this forward with 5G. Now, both doctors, um, Dietrich Klinghart, um, 
and Dr. Martin L. Paul, who I mentioned earlier, have have um, done papers on how 5G impacts us biologically and how it exacerbates um, viral infections, but also how it was being executed in areas like Northern Italy and Wuhan and New York. Um, and then uh, in, in parts of India and um, parts of South America as well. So, so when you may have heard about this as well, that there was also the, the I think it was called the Disney princess the cruise ship that was oh, out yeah, in the ocean. Yeah. Yes. So there were five ships at the time that had, that had newly installed 5G. And they were the first 5G ships um, of, of all of the global um, entertainment ships. And the Disney princess itself happened to be on its maiden 5G voyage. And, uh, the 5G company wasn't a 5G company. It was Raytheon, which is a U.S. military oh. contractor. Um, and Raytheon is also the military contractor that does the ADS system for, for 20 years, has worked on the active denial system, which is the 5G millimeter uh, equivalent to 90 to 95 gigahertz. So... Um, so, so the weaponry of 5G, the, the, the use of it, the very public use of 5G. So if you Google active denial system or ADS and Raytheon, you will see that that military contractor was the, was, uh, the, the one that, that created and, and tried to get that approved through the military repeatedly for, uh, for use as a military weapon. So Operation Warp Speed um, was designed to fast track 5G and uh, digital identification and, um, and, it, and it supported ID2020, but also created, uh, gave a trillion dollars for the development of a vaccine. Um, Trump should have uh, recused himself as president because he is invested in Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, GSK, Monsanto, and Gilead, who is the producer of rem remdesivir. So by 2021 in December, uh, 2 billion doses had already been created. And then by February of 2022, Pfizer had already made 30, 36 or almost $37 billion. And then by May... Uh, the revenues jumped 77%. So he was making money hand over fist while he was uh, pretending like he was on the Republicans side and, and the freedom side and the right to not be surveilled and not be injected and things like that. And I'm not picking on the Republicans. I mean, the Democrats, again, we have, we have a hugely corrupt government, but a lot of Republicans don't know that, um, that they were being deceived as well. And it's really difficult for U.S. citizens to peek behind their own curtains. That they, and it's designed to be that way. Um, I, again, I apologize. I don't know uh, po politics in, in a lot of other countries if, you know, when, they're, when their parties are divided the same way. Um, but digital identification um, is designed for tracking and tracing, um, banking, 
health verification and records, health updates, entry to venues, and more. But it's more about the social aspect of digital identification and social control um, than it is about, about being beneficial. 5G is also the, the foundation of artificial intelligence. Now, when public media discusses AI and students learn about AI in schools, what they're mostly learning about is how it helps with shopping and how it's going to make our lives better and happier and how we won't have to work as hard and how we'll have smart homes. But uh, surveillance and agriculture, healthcare banks uh, are a huge part of it. And of course, surveillance, every, every corner uh, or every, every stoplight in the U.S. almost currently has surveillance cameras um, mounted on their 5G um, LED street lamps. But the, the two areas that are left out of artificial intelligence are data mining and applications. So if your child is around 12 or 13 now and they've been on their phone um, for, uh, for a few years, uh, the, the chances that they have around 73 million data points collected on them already um, is, is, is very high according to, to one of the studies um, that was published recently. But for military applications, the, the reason that, that um, artificial dogs and artificial soldiers and, and the, the nano and bio um, trackers and, uh, and injections are being used in, in soldiers right now um, is because humans have a conscience where AI doesn't and programmed soldiers and programmed dogs don't have soldiers, don't, don't have conscience. So the, the artificial dogs, these AI dogs um, were used early on in, in China and a handful of other countries to go up to people and take their temperature. So they would do the, the radiation, the temperature thing. Now, if you're taking a forehead reader with a laser, you're also hitting the pineal gland. So you generally are not going to want that. But you could probably say that to a human, but with an artificial robot, you, you can't say that. Um, and uh, so it's, it's dangerous to get away from humans with a conscious, especially in the military. Um, the transhumanistic agenda is being pushed um, by Elon Musk and, and, uh, and, and Klaus Schwab, of course, of the World Economic Forum. Um, but implants and nanobots and things like that are, are uh, allow humans to interact with the internet. But you also notice that when you see this publicly, when they're, when they're doing their talks, they never talk about the fact that that radiation is going to cause cancer, nor do they talk about the fact that they can control you once these things are inside your body. Uh, smart farming is one of them, uh, just, uh, just another <laughs> dangerous aspect. Smart farming is designed to get rid of the human element and to be able to control farms by never having to even stick your pinky in the soil. Um, but the biggest thing about smart farming is it erases humans from the, the element of farming. 
So there are different co concepts, uh, everything from smart farming to what's called precision, precision um, agriculture and digital farming. And these all kind of overlap. Um, they involve all of the different farming operations and allow you to, uh, to do heavy chemical uh, agriculture and surveil the agriculture. But with 5G, you're using a lot of nano elements in the soil and even what's called smart plants, plants that can, uh, that can express their own toxins to get rid of insects, for example, or that can create a create and express um, toxic elements. So if the wind blows, it can blow over onto another field and things like this. So, so smart farming concepts are generally agrochemical companies that work with telecommunications companies to create things to get rid of natural farming, to create technologies that get rid of natural farming. But with 5G, they also are able, able to surveil all things on earth, including your farm and your crop. So if you, for example, um, are paying taxes and you're a rancher and you have 50 head of cattle, but you have five or six extra head of cattle just for yourself. So you can, you can have beef for your family and a little bit to sell on the side. This will allow global governments to see that you are not paying taxes or paying carbon taxes on those animals or, or giving back to the, the global good. So um, that's just one of the examples of this, this collective technology. Now, the, the reason that we're having these problems are because we have um, billionaire bullies and uh, all over the world and countries all over the world that, that think it's okay that they can tell us what to do and tell us how much money we should make and what, should, what we should be taxed on, but, but to be able to have their own specific set of rules. So these are a handful of the, the, the more well-known um, tech, uh, tech um, billionaires today, Gates, Zuckerberg, Musk, Bezos. Um, and I, I, I use Gates because I've known about him for the longest. Um, in the late 90s, um, I, was, I, I was kind of keeping an eye on him. And then by the early 2000s, uh, I, I really took a good look to see what he was doing. I uh, didn't find out about Zuckerberg until probably uh, around 2012 or 2013. I really wasn't paying attention. I didn't do social media very much. Um, learned about Musk around 2007 and then Bezos uh, uh, just, just after that. So uh, many of you have probably heard about Monsanto, um, but may not know that uh, Pfizer is Monsanto. Um, Pfizer and Monsanto are, are, are uh, corporations under, under Pharmaca. And recently, um, Bayer purchased Monsanto in a $66 billion merger. And the corporations have thousands of subsidiaries, and they work in military, nuclear, chemical, pharmaceutical, biofuels, um, and agriculture. Now, people have, have, have generally heard of in health fields, they've heard of GMOs, um, but uh, 
for those of you unfamiliar, you, you probably all, all are familiar, but, but agrochemical companies are chemical companies that got into agriculture uh, to sell chemicals. But currently genetically modified foods are now bio and nano engineered and there's different rules in labeling and different rules in production. Uh, oh, Bill Melinda Gates Foundation please? purchased a half a million shares of Monsanto in 2010. And then in just a few years later, Monsanto purchased a, a group called the Climate Corporation. And the Climate Corporation um, is a corporation that predicts weather uh, for crops. So farmers pay Monsanto to buy their, their seeds and their chemicals, and then also to predict their weather. And Monsanto also produces genetically engineered bacteria, viruses, crops, trees, insects, and animals. Um, and this is just kind of a, a heads up for today. Uh, the, the company Oxitec, Bill Gates also invests in Oxitec, makes a genetically engineered mosquito. Um, and the mosquitoes uh, are designed to be terminator mosquitoes where the females don't reproduce. But Gates has also funded research where they are creating a uh, genetically engineered mosquito that carries a, uh, a vaccine or, or, or a, a virus vaccine. Um, and then for, for other animals and insects that are genetically engineered, um, for example, in, in transgenic agriculture, uh, Monsanto and other agrochemical companies like Syngenta and Cargill have worked on, on trans, transmutations in genetic engineering. For example, the Flavor Saver tomato was a tomato designed to be grown in a, in a, in a cooler region. So they took that uh, they crossed the DNA of uh, halibut with the tomato because the the halibut had a gene that would allow the um, the blood not to freeze when the halibut's in in below freezing temperature um, at the bottom of the ocean. So so there's there's thousands of experiments going on with all of these products, um, but. Uh, Bill Gates, who has, uh, who's no more a farmer than he is a physician, uh, now owns about a quarter of a million acres of farmland. Uh, and he is leading the way with the United Nations, uh, for, for those of you who are unfamiliar, to get rid of, um, to get rid of livestock in first world countries and move to 100% synthetic meats. He's, he's one of the lead investors for Impossible Foods and Beyond Meats. Um, and then artificial milks like biomilk. And even though he's not a meteorologist, uh, he also thinks he can tell people how to avoid a climate disaster. So in, in the um, preface, it states, in this urgent authoritative book, Gates sets out a plan for how the world can get to zero greenhouse gas emissions. He spent a decade investigating the causes and effects of climate change, and we can achieve zero emissions and even though it won't be easy, if we follow the plan that he sets out, the goal is firmly within our reach. Uh, 
Now, if, if you haven't been following Bill Gates for the past couple decades, um, you might not know what he knows, but uh, the same year he wrote his book, Fossil Fuel Companies uh, received nearly $6 trillion in subsidies. Now that, that wouldn't be a big deal uh, regarding Gates, except for that he owns nearly a billion dollars in, in oil companies, or he's invest, invested nearly a billion dollars, Bill Melinda Gates Foundation. And people... People tell me sometimes, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, that doesn't mean it's Bill Gates. But if Bill is so brilliant that he's a leading leading head in the pandemic and he's written a book on the climate, um, you would think as chairman of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, he would know at least that some of his money is going to these different corporations. Um, he also has had a huge bid in January of 2021 in, um, in, in, uh, Blackstone. So in aviation, some of the largest emitters of greenhouse gases are airplanes and airplanes are a leading tool in aerosol geoengineering along with uh, stratospheric balloons. So this, this is a cartoon um, from The Simpsons. And uh, this is just uh, about a minute and a half or, or two minutes long. And uh, the reason that we have this in here is because it, it discusses one of the technologies of geoengineering, which is um, the putting solar disks out into the uh, out into space to block sunlight. And when you block sunlight, again, you're you're blocking sunlight that plants need to grow and that uh, that that help with human health. And also, if you make the sky perpetually dark you're still going to have to use energy to create light inside your homes and things like that. So I, this is just a quick little, quick little video on that. Can you hear that? Those three have certainly vanquished all your enemies, the elementary school, the local tavern, the old age home. You must be very proud. <clears throat> No, not while my greatest nemesis still provides our customers with free light, heat, and energy. I call this enemy the sun. Since the beginning of time, man has yearned to destroy the sun. I will do the next best thing. Block it out. Imagine it, Smithies. Electrical lights and heaters running all day long. But, sir, every plant and tree will die. Uh, owls will deafen us with incessant hooting. Uh, the town's sundial will be useless. <laughs> I, I don't want any part of this project. It's unconscionably fiendish. <gasps> I will not suffer your insubordination. There has been a shocking decline in the quality and quantity of your toadying, Whelan, and you will fall into line. Now! No. No, Monty, I won't. Not until you step back from the brink of insanity. I'll do no such thing. You're fired. <laughs> Take that 
Diorama. Take that convenience march. Take that nuclear power plant. Do fiddlesticks. Okay. So, um, Bill Gates not only invests in, in agrochemical companies, but he's also a huge investor in geoengineering. So, so way back in 2010, he did a, a, a very large project over the Pacific and global scientists were not very happy about that. So what this image is, is this is ship tracking, which goes on every day over oceans all over the world. And you can see these images on uh, NOAA's website and NASA's uh, NASA's um, satellite websites as well. But uh, he's also a, a very large funder of Harvard. Now, Harvard's got a lead scientist um, who has worked with Bill Gates for, for well over a decade. And they publicly discuss, repeatedly discuss this project called SCOPEX, which stands for Stratospheric Controlled Perturbation Experiment. Initially, they were going to do it in the United States several years ago over a reservation, Native American reservation in the Southwest. But then the reservation decided they didn't want that testing being done over them. And so they, they then tried all these other places. And then by 2020, they wanted to test it in Sweden, but Sweden didn't want it either. So this very public project is being highlighted all over the world, while at the same time, every year they're doing around 300 other projects all over the world, dimming the sun. So all over the world, not only from conventional geoengineering, but these other science groups are all doing stratospheric projects. And we are not told the scope of what they are releasing. Now, Harvard has, has discussed little bits and pieces of what they are releasing. And some of the, the aerosol components are toxic, but they're only discussing this single Scopex project, not, not the other projects. Now, when you combine this with the fact that Harvard and Stanford and uh, Oxford universities, they all work with and are funded by commercial and military investors of geoengineering. That's a lot of information that, the, that is being kept out of the public scope. So it's, it's extremely deceitful in the same way that, you know, physicians all over the world from pediatricians to cardiologists to oncologists are talking about, you know, these are the, these are the actual things that are happening with the um, pandemic diseases and some of them that, that don't even affect us at all or that affect us very mildly. Um, while keeping all the other information, health information from geoengineering and, and 5G from us. I'm talking about the, the media. Um, so then here we have Bill again. Here's Bill Gates, um, never taken a CPR class probably in his whole life, writing a book that is taken in regard to something that, that only a physician should write, you know, how to, how to prevent the next pandemic. So he discusses, uh, could, could, we, could we possibly stop the next pandemic? We can rely on shared knowledge and Bill Gates' own experiences of combating fatal diseases 
And he would show us how the nations of the world can eliminate all the respiratory diseases in the world, including the flu. So uh, Bill Gates is a major funder in, in uh, Africa and India of everything from uh, polio vaccines to the uh, MMR vaccines. Now, the MMR vaccines themselves given through Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in India have, have sparked outrage because they've sterilized and killed uh, women. Um, and there are now more polio cases caused by Bill and Melinda Gates funded vaccines than there are the, the wild virus. Uh, and in fact, I think around 75% of those cases um, are occurring that way. Now in the United States, it is illegal to practice medicine without a license, but Bill Gates has taken it upon himself to go to other countries and administer um, vaccines into tiny innocent children's bodies. So way back in 2009, um, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave uh, University of Wisconsin at Madison nine and a half million dollars. And Dr. Yoshiro Kawakawa uh, is a virologist at the School of Veterinary Medicine, and he's the primary investigator who would look for mutations in viral proteins that would allow the influenza viruses to bind to human receptors. So bird flu generally is not something that, that impacts humans. Um, I mean, it does, but, but it doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not a big threat to us, but he paid uh, millions of dollars to have this virus modified. So it would transmit to humans by 2014. Um, that same scientist, Yosira Kawakawa was was um, being viewed by the Global Science Foundation as a, as a as you know creating a dangerous strain of this um, this this virus. So when he carried the work out, it was done at the university's Institute for Influenza Research uh, Virus Research in in Madison, and it was a level three ag category for biosafety, and that's one below the top safety level for the most um, dangerous pathogens. And this study was done at a lower level two biosafety. So it's almost as if Bill Gates wants this dangerous virus to get out. All of these things collectively, you know, are a huge recipe for disaster. The, the bird flu is now taking out um, uh, not just wild birds, but, but, um, domesticated birds, chickens and, and um, food source birds for humans. But all across the world currently, uh, animals are in distress. There's outbreaks of hoof and mouth disease. Um, wildlife is being taken out because of these extremes in, in uh, climate and weather brought upon by geoengineering. And Bill Gates, again, has, is, is lobbying the, US, the United Nations to get rid of livestock in first world countries because he wants everyone to go to uh, artificially grown meats that he's investing in. He, there should be no place on earth, according to World Economic Forum, where the food doesn't come from the government or government sources. They don't want organic and sus true sustainable agriculture. Um, they've, they've 
uh, bastardize the names, everything from sustainability to green, even eco-friendly is not eco-friendly anymore. Um, but this did not happen overnight and it did not happen without human participation. We have uh, an entire young generation, you know, uh, of people under 40 who can't spend a day without their phone. They touch their phones thousands of times a day. And uh, they touch their phones more than they touch their children. They look at their phones more than they touch their children. Um, women can't breastfeed anymore without checking their phone 20 or 30 times. People can't sit in restaurants and, and have a meal with each other without checking their phones. People can't walk their dogs without checking their phones. And there, there is a reason for that, that that was a long time planning. Um, the, the addiction of social media and the addiction of, of video games and things like that was, uh, was planned. And some of the studies that, that um, Bill, Bill Gates did through Microsoft in the early 2000s discussed the attention span of a human versus a goldfish. And, and back then, I mean, the study's super old and, and I haven't, haven't seen it since I read it the first time. I think the goldfish had it had an attention span of around eight seconds, eight or nine seconds. And the human, the average human attention span for certain topics was around um, 15 seconds or some, some low number, but after in, in viewing in, in quick views, quick view attention span, um, the human after the use of repetition, re repeated games on video games would dropped to below that of a goldfish. It was some ridiculous, uh, thing. And I, I, I would, didn't, didn't even think about it for years until around, uh, 2011 or 2012, when I was watching uh, a handful of kids standing in line on their, on their cell phones. And I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. And, but now it's everywhere. Now it's everywhere, parents and kids and grandparents. So when we're looking at our phones today, this is what we see. And if you, if you look at this, it's, it's um, for those of you who think there might be a, an odd screen, it's just colors, beige, gray, taupe, beige, gray, taupe with some black in there. And then a handful of other colors. There's a little bit of yellow and red and pink, and kind of a dull green. And this is what we see today. This is what we see in advertisements. This is what we see in movies. This is what we see in fashion. This is what we see all the time everywhere. And it took mainstream media a long time to get to this point, to dull down our senses. So if you close your eyes for a second, if you close your eyes for a second, uh, I'm going to switch the slide while your eyes are closed and open up another slide. So uh, one, two, three, close your eyes. And then go ahead and open them. Um, if you didn't close your eyes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so what you see here are a lot of the colors of earth. What we have outside, uh, what we have in wildlife, what we have in trees and plants and, and earth and minerals and, and textures and colors and shades. And these are, these are brilliant, you know, beautiful colors. And these are the colors of earth, but they have, noticed that people are only paying attention to what they are, are looking at on screens, gray, beige, taupe, gray, beige, taupe. 
with hazy backgrounds. Now, if you look at the sky in all of these slides, there are a few things that you will notice, um, mostly the aerosols, but there's no bright blue and there's no really bright, clean, crystal white clouds. And they start with children and then they move it to adults. They move it to adults. Adults are looking at advertising. Um, Bill Gates, Microsoft, Microsoft screensaver in the upper right-hand side. That was their winter wonderland screensaver. And you'll notice this when, when if you're, if you watch television at home or if you're out at a, um, a friend's or if you're at a, whatever, a sports bar, Every commercial, every TV show, gray, beige, taupe, gray, beige, taupe. All of the clothing is changing. There's no more huge, colorful backgrounds. Um, and then in the movies, everything is getting darker and darker and darker. Uh, and they do this with children because it's easy to indoctrinate children. You, you always start with children, whether you're indoctrinating them with education or you're indoctrinating them with religion or you're indoctrinating them with cartoons or behavior or anything. But with adults, you can even do it uh, casually through um, adult cartoons or through fashion or by getting a, uh, um, a star to tell them something. Uh, adults will believe a star or someone placed in media before they will believe a scientist. That's why it was so easy with um, Greta Thornburg. This, this child has never even taken a, she didn't even finish high school, which there's nothing wrong with not finishing high school. She can go to college someday, but she doesn't have a degree in anything. She doesn't have a degree in meteorology or in any natural science or in, uh, she's not a physician, yet she was put on the Corona Advisory Council panel. She was also, she's also on a bunch of climate panels where there are thousands more, at least tens of thousands more qualified scientists to do climate work and climate presentations than her. Anyway, so we had this perpetual gray beige taupe and they've even dulled us down in, in fashion, cars and restaurants and people's homes. They think that gray and taupe and beige are colors. Now in the psychology of color, uh, there are colors that stimulate just visually stimulate different things. So for example, um, if you want your mood to calm or be happy, you're going to go more towards uh, greens and blues and aquas. If you want to be stimulate your appetite, you can go to bright uh, reds, bright greens, bright yellows. And if you want to dull or calm or create empathy or excuse me, or, or to dull empathy, you're going to do gray or beige or taupe, gray, 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 beige, taupe, black. Um, the, the, the color indoctrination is across the board. It's, you, you don't see as many cars, for example, that are, that are blue or yellow or orange or green or purple or different shades of red, you'll see one shade, one shade, one shade. You won't see multitudes of shades. And the same thing with clothing options. Um, if you go into like a pop store, popular mm -hmm. clothing store, fa fashion is an easy way to 
to get people in there. And, and if you, uh, if you look at any of the sports events, um, for example, the Olympics or Wimbledon or, or football games or, uh, soccer, when you look into the, when you have the, the, the commentators talking, they no longer wear colorful suits. The arenas themselves are gray or beige or taupe. You don't have blue seats in a, uh, say if the, if the logo color for, uh, a, a, a sports team is purple, you don't see purple seats and, and different shades of purple and people in the audience or in the, in the crowd, they're not wearing a bunch of different colors. So if you look at the Olympics from this past year and you look at the audience versus the Olympics from a 1990s audience or a halftime show from, from either one of those years, you'll notice the colors are completely changed. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just a psychology of color. So, so, uh, it could be because of that, but that's a, it, it's, it, it actually makes you more tired to look at those colors than it does to look at something that's bright and stimulating. Um, so if, if we, we want to stop these things and there, there's uh, the only people that wouldn't want to stop these things are, <laughs> are the groups that are executing them. Um, there are different geoengineering groups you can support. So um, at the state level, there's a company called Zero Geoengineering. And if you don't have it on here, you can always go to the uh, Be Heroic website, web page. Um, at the national level, uh, you can provide financial support to geoengineeringwatch.org, or you can download some of their materials and share it. Um, even if you can only give five bucks or 10 bucks or 20 bucks to each of these groups, that is a huge help. They, they have legal teams. They do a lot of research. They work with other organizations. Um, at the international level, uh, climate viewer, Jim Lee, uh, from climate viewer is rewriting the international geoengineering law, uh, called the NMOD or environmental modification treaty. Um, and that allows, uh, or that that's only an agreement. It is not a law, Cur currently not an international law. It's only an agreement to not use geoengineering for warfare purposes. So you can agree to anything you want, but you can still do whatever you want under that law. So he's, he's rewriting that um, currently. If you want to uh, learn about 5G or stop, learn to stop vibe. 5G or work on 5G or support organizations that are working to stop 5G. Um, the 5G Space Appeal is the international, is the leading international organization to stop 5G. So they they need uh, they need money. If you are a physician or scientist, um, you can also sign the appeal. If you are an organization, you can also sign the appeal. Um, and if you're an individual, you can sign it under your country. And then to take action in your area to stop 5G, the 5G crisis toolkit is good. Um, Environmental Health Trust uh, has, has uh, a bunch of great information on the technology and also how to protect yourself from it. And that's everything from, um, from the cell towers to cell phones. 
And then if you're a first responder or a, an individual that has children and you want to learn about the, um, the other effects or actually all the effects, health impact effects, you can also go to Physicians for Safe Technology. And we have that on uh, BeHeroic.com as well. And then um, we have information on the human and environmental health impacts of 5G on BeHeroic.com as well. Uh, so regionally, what do you do? What do you do to stop 5G in your area? Having, having a proactive leader is extremely important. Um, Miss Furneaux from, uh, from, excuse me, it was Brussels, uh, Brussels in Belgium was the city that, that stopped 5G. They had a very extremely proactive um, environmental minister and, and she stopped the project, but it took a huge, uh, terrible um, environmental event from 5G to get her to stop it. They had a, they had a test done in the city and it killed uh, hundreds and hundreds of birds and, and probably other insects and animals, but they focused on the birds. Anyway, if you have a county leader, you need to inform them about geoengineering and 5G and those impacts. If, if you, it's, it's very difficult to legally remove the cell towers. Um, people have monkey wrenched the towers and in, in some countries during the lockdown, some people um, actually caught the 5G towers on fire. Now, during the lockdown in the United States, um, they did a massive installation uh, along the highways and, and um, community roads and streets and in schools during the lockdown. But um, some people have even taken Faraday paints and dumped them on, you know, taken drones and dumped them over these things. Now, I'm not saying do that. The, the, uh, you want to go to your leaders and have all of the systems taken out because you can still have 5G speed with cabled internet. Um, you don't have to have wireless. You can have wired internet. You just have to go to your county leaders and, and show them, provide them that information, which is uh, again on the, the website. So in addition to doing that, if you do not stop 5G and do not work to, to stop geoengineering either by personally not flying anymore um, or, or supporting these companies, the only reason, the only way for the reset to take place is if they use 5G because you can't have a artificial intelligence. You can't read or scan everybody through, through wireless telecommunications without 5G. So if we take those technologies out, the reset doesn't occur. They can't have it. They won't have any control. So if we still use wired communications, you know, telephones and, and cabled computers, we can still communicate, but they can't constantly surveil us or physically control us if you've been vaccinated and you have the, the um, uh, nanographing and other material that they're uh, adjusting in your body using these frequencies. So uh, at your home, you know, those are, those are, Two of the things that that must be stopped, but you must. We must also go back to um, being able to support ourselves and future generations in a sustainable, by meaning not taking from future generations or impacting future generations, um, manner. So 
we need to have teams in communities that are that are older teams, more experienced, that that understand what freedom is and how to keep it, and that are going to put a team together of professionals who are professionals and leaders in their fields, and who each can can make a statement in their community about what they feel should be done. It doesn't mean you have to exactly do it, but the direction that you want your community to take to become independent, to have healthy food, healthy water, um, have the right type of education where students can learn languages and learn to be self-sufficient. Universities are no longer universities. They're they're no longer educational facilities. They're controlled indoctrination buildings, um, unless they're private, you, you can privatize, but you still want your children to be able to, to learn about what's happening all, all over the world. And your news outlets, you must have an open news outlet, hearing things that you don't want to hear. And sometimes you have to hear it. And then setting up a, a trading system, because if your money is in a bank, um, Right now, you're you are you. Are, there is a point where they can just completely turn it off. They're they they're already doing it in China and a handful of other countries. Right now, for people who who are not um, who who are not up on who don't have high enough social credit scores, so there are large scale measures to clean the water, air, soil, and and to help uh, wildlife. And these include advanced weather modification, which can punch holes, uh, quote unquote, punch holes in the engineered systems that are either causing drought or breaking or using advanced weather modification to break up an engineered system that's designed to create flooding. Um, And, and, uh, and also helping clean the soil of all of these toxins. So um, Be Heroic works with a company called Biochar Now, and um, you can just Google those words. That company has a, has a true non-greenwashed biochar. Most biochar on earth today is either inefficient or ineffective or is greenwashed because products um, that come from coal can be considered uh, biochar. So, so you really have to be careful. So, so the company we work with that's called Biochar Now, we recommend them um, on, on large scale projects. Uh, for, for smaller farms, you can, you can sometimes clean the soil with things as simple as just burnt wood. But the, this company Biochar Now has a has an OMRI, which is an organic certification, OMRI, EPA, and USDA certified char that can be used on a large scale at around 2% per acre. And it absorbs aluminum, barium, or it binds aluminum, barium, strontium, uh, some of the CFA and heavy metals. It also binds glyphosate, which is Roundup. So you can clean all of that stuff out of your soil and you just leave this on the soil. It's got a 17,000 year half-life. So it, um, it, it breaks those, a lot of those toxic elements 
or toxins down to their refined elements. So in 17,000 years, it's not, it's not going to be a, a big waste on future generations. Um, but it can be put in socks as well and dropped in along waterways to clean up uh, toxic runoff. They've used it for cleaning up mine tailings. It can be added to animal feed livestock feed. Um, so if you're, if your cattle are eating in an area where there was toxic wildfire smoke, or if they've been geoengineering a lot and your soils are loaded with these toxins and your, uh, cattle or sheep or goats or chicken are eating the insects or, or, um, grasses or whatever off of the ground. And even over wildlands, it really, it really helps a lot. Plus it retains moisture. So if you have if you're in a drought stricken area, it's really good. Um, and then, and then cleaning up soils with uh Kenaf or hemp or things like that is, 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 is also a beneficial way of, of doing larger scale cleanups. Um, but you must immediately get together with your community, uh, or as soon as possible by the end of today, <laughs> uh, start planning a large indoor greenhouse. And the reason is um, within the next few years, you will not be able to grow outside and not just because of the deposition of what's coming down from the environment, but because UVC radiation um, is not going to allow you to grow outside or you'll have to have huge canopies over your garden. Now, one of the big problems with 5G is I mean, there's a lot of big problems with 5G. Um, outside of 5G killing us um, is if you have an LED 5G street lamp or you're near a tower and you have a garden, your garden is toxic. In the same way that um, nuclear radiation affects food, but you don't see or taste the difference, 5G does the same thing. It breaks the, the strands and it makes the DNA strands and it makes it toxic. So when you're eating it or you're feeding it to your children, it is toxic. So you'll have to get a Faraday protection for your greenhouse, but you're also going to have to have that be able to be open so insects and animals can come in and out of the, the greenhouse and help pollinate and keep, keep, your, uh, keep your garden alive. And you'll also have to help by feeding them and providing water for them. Uh, securing your community with a community owned well is important. Um, states owned wells can be poisoned. Um, they regularly poison all the US wells with fluoride and other toxins and, um, uh, and other, other elements related to the, the pandemic. Um, and then they put chemicals like chlorine and other toxins in them. But you can also, if you have your own well, or if you have to take uh, water from the atmosphere, um, if you have a, a rain catchment system, that water is very likely loaded with aluminum and barium and strontium and all these other toxins. So you want to remove that water, that those chemicals before you drink it. So you can also get a uh, filter, but you want to make sure it takes nano elements out, or you can get a sock, like a, a sock of biochar and throw it in there as well. So it binds the toxins. Uh, and then conscious consumerism um, is simply being aware of 
the products that you consume, whether it's what you're buying for what you eat, what you wear, what you buy, what you drive, how you choose to recreate, we need to stop being ignorant or ignoring the impacts of our products and our packaging and our travel and everything that we do um, and be attentive to who our products impact as well. And um, I'm not just talking about, you know, children in sweatshops that, that if you're, if you're buying clothing, you know, or, or a cell phone, you know, almost everybody's cell phone has, has, uh, metals or elements in it that child slave labor or indentured servitude involved. And that's something that's difficult to, to buy without impacting children or the environment because you have mining. But, but there are things, food is very simple to buy organically or grow yourself, things like that. Um, and clothing, buying organic and fair trade clothing and, and in food, fair trade is, is, is another good thing to, to buy that way. When you build your home, um, if, you, if you have a home, putting solar panels on top of it is, is not nearly as smart as, as building a home that, that starts off being energy efficient or getting energy efficient windows or not using toxic paints or carpeting or paints or anything that, that, uh, that has VOCs, uh, volatile organic compounds in it. But, but being thoughtful of consumption is a big deal. So pollinators, uh, when I say pollinators, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this, the scope of smaller animals outside pollinators, um, from all the crawling pollinators, all of our terrestrial pollinators and, and winged pollinators that are flying in and out. Even some pollinators that people think are pests are, are not pests. They, they are pollinators. Um, we need to, to plant more year-round food for them or forage for them. So you can go to uh, the Be Heroic website for this, or you can go to your local garden center, preferably an organic or natural garden center, um, and, and get some organic seeds and soils, and then create a little hydration oasis. So people like to have bird baths, but they don't realize that insects on the ground need water more than ever. Um, and then smaller flying insects need water too. So on the ground, you can even you can even put a shallow bee bath, which is just a small. Um, you can use glass or ceramic and fill it with water and twigs and fill it with fresh, clean water every day. You can throw zeolite in there. That way, when they're drinking the water, uh, some of that mineral zeolite will go through their body and, and bind the aluminum and other, other uh, metals from their body and they'll pee and poop it out. But it'll also help with the, 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 the other ground animals and the other birds that come through and little um, mice and other animals that that you need in your yard, whether you know it or not. And then all of the, the, the thousands and thousands and um, in, in larger areas, sometimes millions of other animals that come through, but make sure the water is, is fresh and clean every day. We must protect this planet uh, for all of the other creatures that we have taken from for the past several centuries and, and for the current young generation and future generations. 
So if we want to keep our amazing spaces and preserve them and protect them and allow them to flourish, we need to be attentive of these other animals. Uh, we're not the only ones with families, but we are the only ones who take things from the earth and don't give back and impact other families. And if we want to keep these amazing foods and we want to not eat genetically engineered foods and faked meats, we have to remember that what is underneath our feet is at the top of the food chain. And these things are not cute bugs. These are what have given us life and what will continue to give us life. But if we don't work to save them, we can't save ourselves. So thank you, Nikki. I want to thank you for both your presentation and your wonderful work. It is tremendously important and so very brave. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I have a couple of questions. So uh, I always think about the people who are more on the fence or people who don't know enough about it because I'm probably just like you, preaching to the choir is fun, but those people already know about all that and they don't want geoengineering, don't want the smart cities. But the question that comes up all the time whenever I discuss topics like geoengineering, for example, is, why would any of those uh, evil, quote-unquote, people driving that want those things to happen? Because in the end, they are breathing the same air, and in the end, they would be personally hurt because you can't really hide from something that is on a planetary level. So why would they have the insanity or the blind spot to want to do it to others, even though they are going to be uh, impacted as well? So what would be your answer to that? So um, a, a lot of extremely successful billionaires, probably, probably not all of them, but a lot of extremely successful billionaires and people who have had, people who have had um, money in their family for, uh, for centuries, they are narcissistic. And narcissism is a, uh, you know, if you're a psychopath, you don't think that things that affect other people affect you. Now in media, they, they can put themselves in any light that they want. It doesn't, your public face is not your private face. Um, and if you don't think something can happen to you, it's not going to affect you. But, the, but one of the things too is, and, and I'm not talking about billionaires here. I'm talking about average millionaires who invest in these companies um, and, and, and regular investors in pharmaceutical, for example, if you're an average person and you lived an average life and you never had a, a big health problem, but you were very money driven and say you grew up in a family that invested in stocks and they said, you know, Pfizer or Moderna or Syngenta, you make a lot of money here and you're making a lot of money. And someone says, Hey, that, that company is not safe or healthy or blah, blah. And then you get on the, the website, you know, Pfizer, Pharmaca, we're helping the world bring medicine. That's what you're reading. So, so 
you're, you're, you're not really going to be interested because you haven't had a health impact. Nothing's really impacted you to make you think that that company's bad. But if you're willing to look at the record, the, the pharmaceutical record of Pfizer, if you've invested in a company and you have any sort of com- conscience and you look into the, into the, um, the, the billions, tens of billions of dollars that, that they have lost in lawsuits for killing people and injuring people, then that would, that would wake something up in you. But you have to be willing, you have to be willing to look. That's the first thing. And it usually, it's usually something that's a big shock to you. And here, here's a personal example. I, I, didn't, I didn't really like or dislike um, Bill and Hillary Clinton. Didn't like or dislike them, but I I knew that I did not like who they were, who Bill was running against when he was when he was going to be president. And and I hadn't looked at he didn't have an environmental record, a bad environmental record. So I voted for Bill Clinton. And I was a kid then. I hated politics. I didn't want it. The less I had to do with it, the better. But I liked the environment. And it wasn't until a few years later that I found out that. Uh, that Hillary was an attorney for Monsanto's Rose law firm. And she helped get GMOs. The Reagan administration didn't really accept GMO or wouldn't, wouldn't let GMOs. um, You you couldn't patent nature, but the, the Clinton family got in with, with um, George Bush senior through his administration. And that really pushed Monsanto through. So then I didn't like her. Then I really started looking at, at people running for president. So, so sometimes it takes a, sometimes it takes a kick in the pants, you know, to really go, Oh my gosh. And then I found out, I mean, obviously years later, everyone knows she's a, she's that, that, that the Clinton family is just, they're, they're monstrous. Um, but all of our politicians are in the United States. And if you're willing to look, you, you see what they, you see what they do. And, and it's none of this is a none of it's a conspiracy theory. You can look her up. She she worked for Rose Law Firm, and you can look up the history of of those. and And it's been written about all over the place. So so some it's it's only a matter of it's a matter of looking. So so people who say why would they do this to themselves? Sorry, that was a long way around. They they don't. It, it's at the very tippy top. They are they are narcissists and megalomaniacs and sociopaths, and the people supporting them are just usually greedy people or people who are ignoring or ignorant. Doesn't mean they're not smart that they can't look stuff up on a computer. The di- there's a difference between being uneducated, which means you don't have an opportunity for education or you're not educated on a subject because you don't know about it, and being ignorant, which is knowing the subject is there, knowing that you can look but refusing to look. So. So, so the, the, the people who, who are unwilling to look, you know, you can't really do anything for them, but uneducated people who ask you, why would they do this to, to themselves? It's because they are narcissists and they're being supported. And, and narcissists, they don't like the people supporting them and giving them money. They think they're better than everybody and they think they're better than anything that could possibly happen. But it, that leads you d- down all these other rabbit holes of uh, like people will say to me, 
they think that geoengineering is a conspiracy theory. So then they say, well, do you believe in aliens? Do you believe in flat earth? Do you believe in the satanic cults of the elite? Blah, blah. So it goes all there. And, and I say, I, I will tell you what I know, because this is what I researched about geoengineering. And these are the facts. These, these are the facts of geoengineering. I don't, I don't care what you think about flat earth. I don't care what you think about aliens. This is what's occurring. And, and this is not a theory. It might be a conspiracy, but that would be your interpretation. But this is a fact, not a theory. It's like saying, this is my hand. You can tell me it's not. The media can tell me it's not. But no matter what, the fact is, is that this is here. I see it. I feel it. I can move it. It's me. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's the, the difference is when people don't believe you about geoengineering, you might not have the information to back it up, but there's scientists that you can send people to that, that have, that have the, the research peer reviewed public documentation. Yeah. And we didn't touch much on this uh, in, in the presentation, um, but food systems are, they are tanking. Uh, ecosystems of course are tanking. Um, but you will really have to start growing your food immediately starting this fall or winter. Um, not just, it's not just that the, that the meat industry is being, is being funneled and closed. What they are spraying in, in our skies, what we know is being sprayed in our skies because of, uh, certified, uh, rain, rainwater tests that were being sent to certified labs all over the world is that the elements from geoengineering, uh, the Wellsbach patent, aluminum, barium, strontium, sulfur, and these other elements is coming down in rainwater. But um, the, the graphene that's coming down and all these other things, we are eating this. It's, it's, in, it's a nanomaterial that's in the soil, so it's brought up in the plant. So you want to make sure you have a, if you're growing outdoors, you want to make sure your, your soil is, you have plenty of, of healthy microbes in there. Um, and you also are going to have to grow inside. So you have to deal with geoengineering and 5G until we can stop it. You know, we, we can stop it. We all have to work together. And we'll, what we're doing right now is we are building up. We're trying to make enough money to, to, to get uh, to be able to, to do a, a workshop series with solutions from professionals who are who are in the different solutions industries helping not the i don't even like the word solutions the way you don't like <laughs> um the, the greenwashing words uh but uh because bill gates and and uh and um what's his name schwab talk about the final solution which is of course the <laughs> right get rid of us but um but the, the solutions in in working on stopping these we we have the potential to meet meet a, to reach a massive audience with very with with a great series um but we're raising money for for that so if anyone wants to donate to us they can <laughs> but uh but what has to happen is at your home you need to have a, a way to clean your water if you're going to collect rainwater. Um, and you, you, you need to have a, a subterranean greenhouse if you have a lot of 5G around your house. So if you have street lamps or if, you're, if the houses next to you have 5G mounted on them or the apartments or buildings. So subterranean just means it's sunk down in the earth 
And you can Google um, subterranean greenhouse or earth greenhouse, and there's tons of wonderful um, companies that come up, or you can go to our website and, and go to the uh, pollinator page and we have links. But uh, the reason that you do that is because the, the, the frequencies don't go. So if, if, if you're, if your greenhouse is, un, if is partially submerged, then the radiation doesn't get down to the plants, but you can also put a Faraday canopy around it. So there's, they're making us spend money. So, you know, we have to say enough is enough. We're going to spend money on this, but we're going to take you down because we have to take them down. They deserve to be taken down. They are pieces of shit and they don't, they don't, it's not that they don't deserve to be alive. They don't deserve to be free. They need to be put in jail where they belong in a regular jail, not a luxury jail. Just, you know, they're murderers, put them in with the murderers. They're rapists, put them in with the rapists. They're environmentally, if they're environmental terrorists in the truest sense, they are taking down our environment, then, then they get the same sentences that these environmental terrorists get in whatever country you happen to be in. It, it is not fair that they are free and and people are looking, people who don't know better are looking up to them like they're heroes instead of saying, you know, they're criminals and and we are better than them. We need to take them down. And thank you so much for, for your time and inviting me on here. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, yeah, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.